0: Welcome to Jimmy's Jobs of the Future. Today's guest is Darcy Laceby. She is an incredibly impressive young woman. She's part of the Forbes 30 Under 30 category. And she came up with the idea for her business, Absolute Collagen, in her teenage years. She ended up founding it alongside her mother. And it's part of the West Midlands e-commerce revolution that we've talked about on the show a number of times before with the likes of Gymshark being located nearby too. We often write about these types of stories on our Substack, where I write about the future of work, jobs, and occasionally politics. The links are in the show notes below. On to today's show. Darcy, welcome to Jimmy's Jobs of the Future.
1: Thank you so much for having
0: me. Where did the idea for using collagen come from?
1: Yes, yeah, so it's a bit of a long story, I basically went to uni to do food development in Birmingham. At the same time, my sister, who was 17, passed a driving test. And my mum basically woke up one day and thought, I've got, I've got no kids. What do I do? I've got no one to sort of do the school run. I haven't got to look after them. So she was like, I'm going to do a fine art degree. Luckily, it wasn't the same uni as me. as I think that would have been absolutely terrible for the both of us. She's more of like a social person than me anyway. She'd have probably had more fun. But yeah, so she went to uni to do fine art. And art students are a bit wacky. And one of the courses, she could basically choose her project. And her project she decided to call, like, Dare to Go Bare. So I've got quite long, like, curly hair, dark brown. Uh, my mum had the same. And she basically turned up on my bedroom door when I was 19 and opened it and it essentially chopped all her hair off, stripped the colour out. So it was similar to her. Like it was actually more like a yellow, to be honest. A big tattoo on her forearm and a nose piercing. And just like, hello, Darcy. I was like, oh, God, like she bought a motorbike two years before. So I thought that was like the midlife crisis and it was all over. It got worse. That happened. But basically what she discovered is she wasn't very confident in herself. And she was always the kind of social one at the parties and the kind of, you know, the one that could hold a room, could could kind of stun her own. But She realised that she wasn't very confident and didn't want to sort of cover herself up, didn't want to sort of go down the Botox route or the makeup route and kind of said to herself, look, Max, what, you need to sort it out. Like, that's not an appropriate way to look at life. It's not appropriate way to look at yourself. And the tattoo she got here, by the way, was you're more than just a body. And so that was kind of quite significant to the whole thing. But what everyone in America was doing at the time was drinking bone broth. So you basically get, it's quite grim, actually, you'd get chicken or pigs trotters chicken feet and i said she boiled them down you know when you make a gravy and you get that kind of like jelly stock at the top um that's what she she'd eat and her friends were like you look good max what are you doing like you're like going you're like happy you look confident you've got this like spring in your step and she said i'm drinking this, this stuff this bone broth do you want some they're like yeah we'll try it we didn't know it's collagen at that time so yeah, she was creating this bone broth and the yield is really low. You get sort of 15% in bone broth, like it's, you don't get a lot of product, but it became really hard work and we weren't really sure what was in this product. I could use the labs that you need to make sure it was safe. That was always a big issue and kind of look at the sustainability of it and the best source and, and things like that at the time. But it, we discovered it was the collagen. Uh, so then we put it in sachets and kind of accidentally created a business. So yeah, that's kind of how we got to where we got to, really. It's a bit random. And then we turned the website on and nothing happened, which is quite scary.
0: And and where did the the name come from then, Absolute Collagen?
1: Yeah, so we knew we had a great product. When we were doing the bone broth, that was as pure as it could be. So with tablets, you have like binders or fillers or capsules and things. And this product was as concentrated. It was as as absolute as it could be. So that's literally how the name came about. So we have you know six seven ingredients in our products like in our other skincare hair care as always we've gone down the ethos is like if the supply is one percent concentration but we think two percent would be better we'll try that so that's kind of like the ethos we run with
0: and so what's it like starting a business with your mum
1: it's it's interesting and um, she i'm what's the word so my parents were divorced when i was 12 i did the food shopping for our house when i was 12 like i'm of quite uh, not controlling let's not call it controlling organized maybe and my mum's more crazy so she does the crazy ideas and I do like the mopping up and making sure everything's okay in the background that's kind of like how our life rolls if that makes sense but it's good we you know it's hard to get back into like family situations if we go out for dinner and it takes a bit of bit of time now because so it's been five five years six years now but we had a really good relationship. She lets me get on with my side. I leave her to her side. And it's like, that's how we started it. It was me and my mum and another guy called Brad. We all had our areas and we all didn't focus on them. Because I think if we were hyper-focused on it, what everyone else was doing in our, in our little three team we wouldn't have got anything done anyway.
0: But that's normally the inverse of the roles you describe there, isn't it? Because your mum was fifty, you were 19 when you started the business. You saying you're the one that was doing the organizing and the and the mopping things up of the creative idea of your mum. That's it's normally the other way around, right?
1: Yeah, she's wacky. Like she's she's crazy. She's great. Like she's brilliant, she brings like a really good energy. She's got ADHD. So and she only discovered that when she was uh 50, actually, literally in the same time as AC. When she was doing her art degree, someone was like, you should probably go, just, just go, go do the test, go get checked. But yeah, she's, she's crazy. And I've, I've always been the one that's just been the organizer. But yeah, we kind of have different like role reversal. I think when, when her and my dad split up, I tried to take that kind of not fatherly lead, but I guess trying to fill that hole a little bit. I think I grew up quite fast. Like we always have, always have been quite, I guess, mature. And
0: yeah, I can imagine that definitely leads to, uh, leads to that
1: and and how's it
0: been being unstereotypical kind of founders really in that sense in terms of again e- even a 50 year old woman is not the sort of like the technology savvy startup founder that we perhaps associate with you know the sunday times fastest growing hundred lists and, and so on How has it been when you've been going to customers and and so forth and you're trying to pitch your business like has it been a help or a hindrance
1: so I think there's, there's two sides to that I'd say is one, like our naivety was probably a positive thing. I think if we were clued up and knew what we were going into, I don't think we'd get the same outcome. But because we're so naive, like we just ask questions constantly. And the people that took us seriously at the beginning, because a lot of people didn't, like, let's be honest, it was it's weird. You've got a 19-year-old girl and a 50-year-old woman that has never, has, hasn't worked for 25 years asking, oh, can we buy two tons of, collagen powder or can you blend this and this is our forecasts, and they're looking at them thinking you're not going to hit these numbers." but the suppliers that took us seriously and the people that took us seriously are the people we're still with today and we've grown with their business their business has grown with our business and it, we have like great relationships with them i even now walk into sort of marketing meetings or, or whatever and we'll, we'll be with like external people and they'll say yeah, sorry, are you the marketing assistant? I was like, yeah, we'll just go with that. It's easier. But it doesn't bother me. I think at the beginning it used to, like I'd be on the phone to someone and they'd say, sorry, do you have have the permission to make this call or something? But I think it's almost like a superpower now, isn't it? Like anyone can do anything. And that's what absolute College is about. It's about possibilities and the possibilities you could do something that you didn't think you could. And we've, I guess, proven that in a way.
0: And yeah, you've turned it into a strength. So what's it like being the fourth fastest-growing company, according to the Sunday Times 100 list. Does that add pressure, or does it make it feel like you've made it?
1: Not the latter, definitely. I actually met someone, so we had the Department of International Trade come around to the house, because we used to work from our house. There was like 10 desks in our front, our front room at one point, and he came around when there was three of us there. And he came to the office a couple of weeks ago, and he was like, oh, you must be so proud you've done it, you've made it. And I looked out at the meeting room at in our main office. And I said, have you seen that many people? There's 50, there's 55 people sat out there now. Like if this doesn't, you know, we're still a young business. We're still only five, six years old. There's still a lot of risks. It's still, you know, a nascent category collagen is. But I want to get to the next level. Like I always have to always strive to just do the next thing, if that makes sense. Um, I have like ambitions in my head of where I want absolute collagen to be. But I know that when we get there, I'll just... (laughs) I just want the next one.
0: And what are the ambitions for the future?
1: So I guess our main sort of pillars of growth is, oh, so we're direct to consumer at the moment. We want to look at expanding that out to, to retail. We basically want to be able to show up for our customers in, in different ways where, where she's buying. You know, our customers typically sort of 45 years old, 50 years old. We're not reaching a lot of them online. Like a lot of them would, would go to, you know, Boots or a Space NK and, and buy their products in there. But it's been really great for us being direct-to-consumer. Like I said, collagen's nascent at the moment. It was still in its infancy. We've grown the market in the UK, but we've also had to educate people on the benefits. You know, if you go out and ask 10 people on the street what collagen is, the majority of them will say it's something you inject in your face. So trying to get around that kind of misinformation is is difficult. But yeah, we want to expand our customer base the UK's still got lot, lots of room for us, lots of room to grow. We're sitting in three categories. There's so supplements, skincare, hair care. So just look at sort of expanding that out, other territories, et cetera, just building, building an even better team.
0: And so tell us about taking the investment and the process behind that and, and why you did it.
1: Yeah, so I had no idea what that, what, what that was going to be like going into it. So I remember February 2020, me, Maxine, Brad and Rich, so that was like the four of us really. we sat there. and Maxine was like, should we look for and look for investment? And we were like, well, we don't really need the cash, the business is is cash generative. Like, we don't don't need that. What what do you think that could bring? So that's kind of the reason we we looked at it. It was trying to bring really great experience into the business that we couldn't necessarily bring without it. Like we're a small company, still but at that point, the big investment people came around to our house. Like that's a bit weird. And then it took some, from February 2020, nine months. And we completed in December 17th. That process was very rigorous. I didn't, due diligence, I didn't know what that was. I now know what it is and I don't know if I want to do it again. <laughs> it was really great. So we had three offers from three great companies, actually. Uh, and we went with the ones that we felt were the most like human and personal. We're not a typical business. You're not going to walk in here and see people suited and booted. You're going to walk in here and see my 56-year-old mum and my dog and a load of people in jeans they're not really happy but it's not it's not necessarily normal and i think that's what the the investors that we chose living bridge they could see that they they know that they're not they're not brand creators they haven't created a, a great brand that's what we've done and they can just help us with the foundations and like the operational excellence to kind of get to the next step and we get on really well with them actually it's like a really good relationship
0: Tell us about our process of moving from you know, 10 people in the front room, that must have been almost bursting at the seams, to taking a bigger place and employing as many people as you do now.
1: Yeah, so we've had, so we're in our third warehouse at the moment. So we actually had a double garage at home. We knocked some stuff down and built a, another garage. So we had three kind of three car garage, really. And our drive was really steep. So we have a small drive at home and we used to get pallets dropped off at home and we'd take three, this is so not health and safety appropriate. It would take three of us to lower the pallet down at the drive and they sell over all the time, honestly, but it was great. So there's a lot of scrapping around in the beginning and that's what I love. Like, I love just trying to do everything so motivated. But when we tried to hire people at the beginning, we'd hire people that we really liked. They were really nice people and a lot of them are still with us today, but they didn't have the experience we needed or, or necessary. Like oh, one of our customer service girls, Charlotte, so she was a hairdresser for about 15 years before, before AC. And she wouldn't mind say, me saying this, but I hadn't turned a laptop on really. I didn't really know what, what, how that worked. And we basically taught her and, and how to use it and everything. And it's been, it's been a journey. I think we used to hire people based on. Like kindness, etc., and people that would fit in with our sort of family ethos vibe. But it's hard work. Like this company's it's growing fast. Things change. You have to be quite resilient. I don't like that word, but you have to be quite resilient. So now we hire people on curiosity, like entrepreneurship, and just people that want to get stuff done. And it's interesting seeing people come from like bigger corporate companies because it's it's weird working for a small company.
0: And how do you test for that kind of entrepreneurship mindset? And that's just. We'll come to that. It's worth kind of explaining. You've been the chief operating officer and then the chief brand officer, and now you're the chief people and product officer. So that classic startup element, you've held a number of roles within it. And so tell us about how you test entrepreneurship.
1: Yes. So we have, when we interview, we have our kind of criteria and our points-based system. We have a number of questions that kind of links to each each point like entrepreneurship etc curiosity is a big one and resilience but it's just about kind of giving people challenges and seeing how they sort of respond to them we don't do any kind of personality tests or things like that everyone who kind of comes here has to do three three interviews with sort of different people sometimes people aren't directly in that team and then they normally go for sort of a coffee chat with me or with with Maxine pre-joining just to kind of see just more more than them what it's going to be like, to be honest, <laughs> because we, yeah, it's a bit different.
0: And which of your roles did you most enjoy having?
1: All right, I would probably step back from roles and call it time, time frame. So in the beginning, me, Maxine, Brad would just try and do everything. So Brad was always on tech and systems. I always do like ops And then the three of us kind of did marketing together. I love that time, like trying to do everything, you know, we're trying to export to America. How do we do that? Let's figure out FDA applications and approvals. Like Facebook are introducing, you know, stories or Instagram stories. Like how do we capitalize on that? Um, I remember like we'd, you just, you'd be so motivated to do stuff that everyone would just, you just get stuff done. And I think growing has been, that's harder now. Like things don't happen as quickly. I think I love e- e- all my roles equally. Like, I still do, I still sit across pretty much everything. So, like, customer service, marketing, like Amazon, still do all those international like, meetings. But I think my role, what pre pre collagen oh, I wanted to do, uh, I actually wanted to do logistics. Really? But I actually wanted to do logistics. And then it was uh, product development, procurement, and that side of things. So, i feel like well this has given me like an amazing opportunity i love learning like i just sit in meetings with the most incredible people even the guys that you know the work here our heads or the department heads and i learn so much from them and that's amazing that i can do that every day um so yeah for me it's just as long as i enjoy what i do i don't really mind what, I, what i'm doing if that makes sense
0: yeah no no of, of, of course and yeah it's good to hear somebody get so excited about export regulation that's- not many of that. I can see why I can see why the Department of International Trade have been round. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I was really curious to ask you about was uh 60% female employee workforce and also 46% are under 30. So how have you found, I mean, not all under 30s are generation Z necessarily, but how have you found that makeup of managing that workforce?
1: Yeah. So I think the managing side is is interesting. Like I found like even myself pre-COVID, I would work like ridiculous hours and I'd love it. Like I'd sleep on my laptop at the bed on on the side of my bed on Saturday morning, I'd get up and I'd get my laptop and that's all I wanted to do. Like it's what I wanted to do and that's that's fine. It's not necessarily healthy. And I think in lockdown I realised that I missed, you know, running or going to the gym or seeing family or friends. And I realised that I want a bit more time to do that if that makes sense. And I think a lot of the guys here that are similar age to me, so I'm, I'm 25, also want, also want that. And they want to be kind of respected in that. So we do two days in the office a week. And we're quite flexible. Like if they've got other priorities or just need to get their head down, they don't have to come in. And then we offer flexible hours as well. But we're quite, we live, we're quite a respectful company in that way. And you know, you've got me here, you've got my mum, you've got my sister, you've got my partner, you've got you know, really close friends working here, and I know that we're all working to the same goal, and I know that everyone here is motivated towards that. So, I think it's just about like we trust them. Like we don't really measure productivity as such, but it's just a big trust, really.
0: And how do you sort of feel? Because you're right on the cusp of sort of that generation. Zed yourself then, in terms of being born in 1997, how do you sort of feel about the kind of pressure of being a flag waver for it? You know, you've been in Forbes 30 under 30 lists and all these things, and you're getting a lot of that attention. Do you find you have imposter syndrome with it?
1: Oh, yeah. I don't think I deserve any of this. (laughs) this I think like, how has this happened? Like I wake up, my partner, Richard, is really great. Like, So he's been, we've been together since seven years, so the beginning of AC. If I didn't have him, I don't think I would like he's picked me up when I'm like, I can't do this or like I get I don't get stressed anymore. Like I used to get really stressed about like I'd wake up in the middle of the night, you know, worrying that a batch of collagens, you know, I don't know, got microbe problems and you haven't been able to pass it through quality or whatever it used to be and or you know, our marketing isn't as efficient or whatever it is. But yeah, I I sometimes wonder like why how has this happened if that makes sense but I also know that like if I look back when I was sort of 40 15 like I know I'd I'd be pretty proud of what I've done now because it isn't like you know it's not like a a soft story but I think at school like I did struggle a little bit with finding like, my place etc but I'm just I'm happy like absolutely. college and like we speak to people pre taking it and after and it it changes not their lives like with their confidence etc and I just want to be able to not help as many people as possible but just bring the product to as many people as possible and yeah I love it I love what I do.
0: Why did you struggle at school or how did you struggle at school?
1: Yeah I think with me I never I just never really fit in I don't think and I know a lot of people struggle with with that but yeah it's not I look back and think, oh, it's fine. But my mum probably, Maxine, would have a different experience of it. Like, she looks back and thinks, oh, you had a terrible time. I don't think I did, but I think I learned that I'm the only one that can make things happen for me, really. And I don't really rely on other people. It, it's probably negative in a lot of ways. But, yeah, I've been learned to, if I want to get something done, I've got to do it myself. And, yeah, i got, to, just got to get on with it, really.
0: I think it's very fair. Do you work with many people that you were at school with?
1: No, no. My sister doesn't really count, does she?
0: Yeah, what's well, <laughs> it? Yeah, because you've got your sister in the business as well. What's that like?
1: She's great. So, Madge or she's three years younger than me. She doesn't. She doesn't profess to be. She's like Darcy. When I have kids, I'm not working here. I'm not working full time. I'm going to get part time. Like Madge, that's great. She told her manager in a performance review last year that she wants to move to Dubai. Yeah. I'm like, Madge, this isn't this isn't like how the career ladder really goes, but yeah, we I think it's that kind of how we grew up. I always tried to sort of look after her, I guess. But yeah, she's the more social one. I'm the more like Just try and get stuff done. And we
0: were talking a bit before that. There's obviously a, a bit of a e-commerce hub developing around Birmingham and the West Midlands area. Has it helped sort of, you know, having the likes of Ben Francis and and Noel Mack from Gymshark being there to kind of like inspire you on that journey and think, well, actually, you know, they did it in their 20s. I can sure do this in my 20s
1: as well. Oh, yeah, 100%. There's so many people to to look up to. and just know that you're kind of doing the right thing. There's, yeah, there's loads of people in Birmingham Tech. And it's great because we can also kind of get on that journey with people. Like our web development agency, Eastside Co., they're, they're ace, they're, they're kind of young founded. But it almost gives you, because a lot of people don't necessarily put put the most trust in you when you're, when you're only young. But if you can kind of find similar companies to work with that are on similar similar pathways, it's, it's great. But yeah, there's definitely a lot more interest. There's a lot of like, uh, you know, retail groups or econ groups, groups, etc., that round table discussions with with kind of, you know, the likes of Gymshark, et cetera, which are always really helpful. We can, you know, swap information. You have the lots. You've got Lounge, Able, yeah. Gymshark, Box Raw. Like there's there's a lot of of great companies around here.
0: And tell us about some of the roles that you're kind of hiring for now, because looking at your kind of hiring page, yeah, it, it feels very much like a sort of jobs of the future kind of hangout in terms of graphic designer and that side of things like tell us about what you think of jobs of the future
1: yeah I mean you actually pointed out a great job that we've just hired our head of architecture and systems I didn't know what that was when we were trying to hire for it we're essentially I wouldn't say this but our COO would probably say we're a tech company in a way like we're cloud-based we have sort of like anything over 60 applications that kind of plug in and if we map out that the distribution of all our systems it's it's huge it's like a massive spider sweat and we want to make the customer experience better like how can we make that more seamless so we brought in our head of systems not architecture and systems i think that's right how can we use tech to our advantage how can we make customer experience better because essentially we're selling a product we have a great brand story and reasons to believe in our product in particular but if it's a terrible customer experience no one's going to come back so yeah Cybersecurity as well is, is really important, and that role kind of sits sits there, trying to kind of keep all that closed and keep all it, all of that together. But yeah, we've got our graphic designer team, creative teams. But no, it's it's great. We try and do a lot of a lot of our roles in house as well. So a lot of companies would have external graphic team, but to know our customer, you have to get you have to get under the skin of like why they're actually taking the product. We did a really great exercise actually is is write down what our customer is. What do they do? And people are coming back, oh, she's just gone through a divorce. She's, she's not very confident, blah, blah, blah. But we've tried to completely wipe that stereotype of like why someone actually takes absolute collagen. Because it's not necessarily true. And we're trying to, what we're trying to do in our marketing at the moment is try to spin everything around and, and just be more positive. So you can't go to an external agency. That's why we have a lot of the, the team in-house.
0: And... How important is the kind of community that you're building, right? Because that's something that a lot of young, modern companies talk about, right? You know, it's not necessarily kind of as transactional as as customers, and you've mentioned it a couple of times already, but it's such a kind of personal product as, as well. What are your reflections on building a community?
1: I think it's so difficult now because people will say, oh, I've got my community on Instagram, I've got my community on Facebook. You can't build a community on Instagram or Facebook. It's a one way, it's a one way stream, really. You're saying something; they can they can speak back in comments, etc. But there's not really that really great, deep two way conversation where people can kind of do, join different groups. We have our Facebook group, which is closed, so when you subscribe, you get invited to it, and that's awesome. That's really really great. Um, but yeah, it's trying to elevate that community. So we do a lot of like in person events, inviting customers. Maxine will kind of. She's actually doing something next week where she's going to a few customers' houses and surprising them with Christmas gifts, essentially. But creating the community is really, really pivotal and really key in, in absolute collagen, to be honest. We were actually sat there. I remember holding the box one day and I, I was like, it's absoluters. Like our customers are absoluters. Everyone looks like a bit weird. I was like, and then we, the day after we created our absolutes Facebook group. So they get the password and they subscribe. But that is such a helpful group like if someone's not seeing the results they want they'll post a question our customers will answer and that was a brilliant thing at the beginning Our facebook ads people would comment say you know snake oil uh, fake company etc and then we'd have our actual customers comment going no i take it it's really good you should try it but our customers have our backs but yeah they're awesome like they're really awesome people they're like a really ballsy and
0: um, because you yeah, a third of your employees are in marketing right and so that's that kind of like marketing and community management all mixed to one.
1: Yeah, so we have our fourth, fifth employee, maybe fourth employee, Katie. She's like our social butterfly. So she just does community management. So she manages the absolute group. And then we do a lot of outreach. So, you know, if someone's on a customer journey, after three weeks, they get a survey, they fill out the survey. And Katie will ring every single one on the back. We're having to get them all help with, okay, you've put this, this is how we can help. And that's a great tactic because it's not about, once we've got the customer, we need to keep them. And it's respectful for them. Like a lot of them buying one box, they don't need one box. They need they need three or four boxes to, sell, to see real results.
0: Yeah, that's um, pretty um, pretty extraordinary. I think like reflecting back on the beginning of that interview, you know, it's, it's such a mix of a, of a family, right? Like you know, kind of one studying art, one studying science. You know, do you think all those perspectives and different ways of thinking have obviously helped build the brand and the business to what it is today?
1: I guess in the last sort of couple of months I've actually started to to think about it. It's like, if we didn't have the combination of people that we had, I don't think this business would, would be here. And before a couple of months ago, I'd been like, oh, I would be here without me. Like, it's fine. Like if I wasn't here, the business would be okay. And like, it's taken me a while, but like, I, I know I need to look back and think, yeah, you've done done a good job. And I think, you know, people need to celebrate success a bit more often. It's something we don't do because we're all busy.
0: What would you like the future to look like? I mean, we, we talked about the sort of the the syndrome of, you know, climbing ever higher and just thinking, well, I've just got to go for the next thing, you know, just one more bit and I'll feel like it. But what does the future hold for AC, as you referred to it a number of times?
1: We're now at the point where, as a family, we support the Printers Trust and love doing that. I think it's a great, a great, a great foundation. But we want to be able to do something ourselves and that's something that we're, we're setting up. You know, people, there's a lot of people in this world that want to start a business and they can, there's charities for that and people can really help them. But it's, it's the women in, in our customers that we speak to and they're really unhappy in their job and they don't know how to retrain and they want to retrain or just things like that. They're, they're in a relationship they're not happy with and they don't know how to get out. And there's a lot of like that mid kind of funnel people and how do we make their their lives better how can we kind of enhance that and it's Maxine always refers to like the everyday woman and that's what she kind of referred to herself but for me it's like about sort of giving back and helping I struggle with it like people are always oh does Can you do this talk or can you do a you know, like mentor someone I'm like why do they want to know anything from me like I don't know how to help them but it's not help is it but yeah I think I think I just want to be able to give back and that's something that I I want to be able to do.
0: And what do you wish you'd know now when you started?
1: Well, it's, it's going to be hard work. You'll stop crying. <laughs> I used to cry a lot. I stopped. And uh, No, everything will be okay. So we have this saying that just just do the next right thing. So all you've got to do is the next right thing. And every decision that we try and make, we apply that to. Like we'll never cut corners. We'll never do anything that's going to jeopardise safety, legality or anything like that. And that's something I'm I'm proud of. Like we've never done anything. That we shouldn't, and we've done everything for the company, the community, and the people.
0: It's amazing. It sounds really inspiring. The the mentor thing, or whatever. And at least you'll, you'll be able to p- point people to listen to this podcast now. <laughs> and that's why quite a few of the founders do the show is so they can say that oh, I won't have to do as much mentoring <laughs> and people. Then I can pass on the uh, pass on the show. You've just hired your first doctor. Can you explain the kind of rationale behind that and what they do?
1: Yeah. So science is what I love to to do, and. I remember that my whole lockdown weekends, I was doing like a skincare course on like dermatology and it was really interesting. But I know that we want, we have our external doctors as well, electrocologists like and people that are sort of affiliated with the brand. But I know that I wanted to cement science in this company and collagen as general in the industry. There's lots of stuff that we want to do and we need to work on in order to cement collagen in the world, essentially. There's still a lot of like gaps in the science. It's a great product. It works. We know that there's still things that we can do. And having Dr. Doctor Dave, it has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Dr. Dave on board. It was a great moment for me. I could never imagine like hiring, hiring a doctor in the company. But yeah, it's really, it's really for us. And to give the customers someone to kind of actually go to for advice, like just ask questions and we can be able to give them genuinely really good, interesting answers.
0: No, I can imagine. I bet it's fascinating. Usually we ask on the show people that if, if they were 22 in 2022, what would they choose as a career path? Now, that's not quite as relevant on this one, but what, I'm interested. What was your first dream job?
1: Oh, uh, right. So I've always wanted to work in food, to be honest. Food is like my thing that I know. However, my mum always loves telling the story that when I was eight, my mum was always like, you can do whatever you want to do as long as you do it. She was never the kind of mum that like massaged egos. I didn't go to uni thinking I was like fabulous and better than everyone else. And that wasn't, that wasn't me. But I was like, she's like, you can do anything you want. You can be anything you want to be. And I said, I want to be a horse. Like, <laughs> that is what I want to be. That's my life goal. So yeah, that, that quickly quickly fell off the, the wagon. I've always done, I don't really see myself as an entrepreneur, but looking back, I've always done entrepreneurial things. Like I sold phone cases when I was 13. I wrote a cookbook when I was 16. And I used to go to like events and sell it. I've always just done stuff. I just like to be busy, I guess. I've always just wanted to do something. I don't know what that was. And I don't think I had necessarily a career goal. I just want to be happy in what I do. And I I can't be motivated unless I'm happy. Money doesn't motivate me. Like just enjoying the experience motivates me, if that makes sense.
0: Good rule for life. If there was another entrepreneur, if you were to pass the mic to an entrepreneur who perhaps hasn't had as much coverage and profile yet, who do you think we should talk to?
1: Ben, Ben Amana, I'd say. So Ben, me and Ben did a course together actually three years ago. He has a similar company to Upside Collagen uh, called Boxroll. So he, they're an awesome company actually. Ben has a different outlook to life than me. I'd say he's the very much get up before 4 am, go for a seven k run, read for an hour, meditate, sit on my desk for half eight. That's not, that's not me. But yeah, his mentality and like rigorous ruthlessness that he wants students, and he is so. Hounded in him, his beliefs, like he knows he will get there, and I think his mentality is, is great.
0: That's really interesting. We'll definitely um check him out. And if there was a book or piece of content on that basis that you that's been particularly helpful on your journey that you'd recommend to somebody, what would it be?
1: So, there isn't like one kind of life mantra or book I've read that's been particularly helpful, but I think just generally taking everything in learning and listening and every experience is is one to learn and that's that's how i kind of live my life is i can learn everything from anyone like you need to take every experience as it comes and learn from it
0: that is a super way to finish darcy thanks so much for coming on jimmy's jobs of the future it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on
1: thank you for having me
0: thanks for listening to jimmy's jobs One of the ways we make this show possible is through our various partnerships. If you'd like to partner with us, you'd be joining one of the UK's fastest growing business podcasts, reaching over 40,000 listeners every month. We've helped a wide variety of groups tell their story, from the National Farmers Union right through to the FinTech Alliance. So if you'd like to work with us, just go to www.jobsofthefuture.co. To keep up to date with all Jobs of the Future news, you can follow us across all social media, including our TikTok and YouTube channels.